Hey, good morning. Here I am, coming from the back today. Hey, it's good to have everyone here. Can we give it up for Janae, not Jason, but Janae for those great announcements? Man, anyone that has to put up a Jason for that amount of time in front of a bunch of people, oof, man, like prayer does work, and we need to be praying for Janae. Okay, that she finishes well. So anyways, hey, it's super cool to have all of you here. It's great to have our friends online. I know Anna is online from Nicaragua, who you're going to hear about in a second. Heather and Asau, who a lot of us know, they're in Bethel, Alaska right now with the team up there, which is super cool. So hello, shout out to you guys, to Susan in Nicaragua, who's also watching. It's just cool to have um, not just you that are here with us in person, but also our friends joining us online, um, literally all over the world this morning. So it's pretty cool, and it's pretty awesome. Um, what I want to do this morning briefly is I want to, um, first of all, just thank all of you for the support that you've given us, um, our teams that have been serving both locally, domestically, and globally. Uh, you guys, like, seriously, like, it's just a family thing, and our family has really done a great job of supporting um, all of our teams that have gone out. And our hope today and this morning is that we do a couple things. The first is that um, I want to talk briefly about um, the why behind what we do on missions trips. Because it's not just about what we do that's important. It's actually probably more important to, to be on the same page with like why we do what we do. Because um, unfortunately, uh, it's easy to cause a lot of damage and um, it's honestly, like, it's easy to ruin um, opportunities that we have with our brothers and sisters around the world if we don't um, have the proper posture. Or what I want to talk about is, this morning, I want to talk about actually five values that we have when it comes to why we serve where we serve. And that's not just domestically or globally, it's also locally. Um, and, and that's important because, um, actually, we, we saw an example, a not-so-great example, of, well, we were in Nicaragua of why this is an important conversation. Um, one of the things that we did in Nicaragua was we were serving at a local dump. The dump happened to be almost across the street from the ministry site where we were serving, um, where our good friend Anna, who runs Bethel Rivas Ministries, um, uh, Anna, uh, every day, takes food over to serve lunch to the workers at this dump. The workers at this dump um, go to the dump because there's a lot of recycled goods that are at the dump, and so they spend all day digging through all the garbage at the dump, and they find the recycled goods, and then they um, sell the recycled goods to a truck that comes by a couple times a day, and that's how they make their money. But while we're, sit while we're at the dump one of the days, I noticed and we noticed a, a beautiful building across the street, and you'll see a picture of it behind me. This building uh, was a recently built church that just happened to be right across the street from this dump. Now, you and I might look at this building um, and, and say, wow, what a beautiful building and what a strategic place to have a church right across the street from the dump. It was also in the area where a lot of the people that worked at the dump lived. And so it just, you know, on paper, it looks like, wow, this is, like whoever's thinking about this was really thinking through what they're doing. But I want to say, actually, I don't think they were. Because the more we spoke with Anna, the more we learned about, again, the why behind why we serve. And unfortunately, um, Anna shared with us that um, nobody actually goes to this church. And the reason why people don't go to this church is because um, they all have churches that they already go to. And what happened was a, uh, a large ministry came in, and without asking the people in the community um, if they wanted a church, they just built the church. And the people in the community, when asked to come to their church, their response was, well, we already have a church to go to. We're not going to leave our church. And so here this beautiful building sits 
unused, and it sits empty when the resources could have been so much better used pouring into the community, and all it needed, all that needed to happen was just a simple question of, hey, we have this idea, what do you guys think about it? And unfortunately, that question was never asked. And what I want to do this morning again is I want to just talk about some values that we have going into the trips that we do. Again, these are both locally, domestically, and globally because we don't want to build a building without understanding the why behind what we do. Because it's really easy, like I said, to to just go in. A lot of us, I'm an idea person, maybe there's other idea people out here. It's really easy to have ideas on how we think we can change the world and how we think we can change communities. But oftentimes those ideas that we have that aren't run by the local people and the people that are actually there year-round can be more destructive than they can be helpful. So the first value that, that I want to share with you, and again, you're going to hopefully hear these values and the stories of the people that share this morning, but the first value, and it's really important, and, and maybe this is also a posture that I believe we need to take, is that, uh, that mission trips are not about you. You know, when we go and we serve in Alaska and Nicaragua, one of the first things we talked about was how important it is that people understand this isn't about you. Our goal is not to use the people that we are serving so that we can feel good about ourselves and have great pictures to show at church on a Sunday morning. That is not our goal. Our goal is to honor God in what we do and what we say. You know, Scripture talks about whatever you do in what? Word or what? Deed. Do it all for who? For the glory of God. You don't do it for yourselves. And so it's important that the value of this is not about you is so critical. This is also one of the reasons why from the very get-go, we reminded ourselves over and over and over again, whether we went to Alaska or Nicaragua, this simple but important statement. And it's this, that God does not show up when we show up. God does not show up when we show up. And I know, again, that sounds like a, like a well, of course, but honestly, like, like it's one thing to say it, but it's another thing to go with this attitude of believing that God doesn't show up and we show up. Too many groups go in as the heroes. Too many groups go in and they serve in places where the attention gets put on them and they take over instead of coming alongside and serving alongside with the people that are there year-round. Another value that we have going into these trips, and this is another very important one, is long-term partners are more important than short-term heroes. Long-term partners are more important than short-term heroes. You see, what ministries like Anna's and Kayak up in Alaska, Covenant Youth of Alaska desires, is they desire long-term relationships. Actually, the building and the painting and all the different things that we do is not what they desire most. What they desire most is long-term relationships with people, not short-term heroes that come in and do something for six days, thinking we can completely change an environment or completely change a city or a village in those six days. But what they want is they want long-term relationships. You guys know Clarissa. She was singing up here on the stage. You know, I'll never forget how important it was that as at Hillcrest that we, we developed this great long-term relationship with Claw. And one of, one of the outcomes of that is when we would go serve, oftentimes we would partner with local churches. And there's this one special pastor that we were so close to, and we got to connect with him year after year after year. And we would go into the favelas of Rio, uh, into the slums of Rio. And one of the things that, that we found out when we went with 
him was before we walked into the slums, which oftentimes was a long walk up a big steep hill, was the police would stop us before we would enter, and they would tell us, you do not want to go in there. You do not want to go in there. It is too dangerous. The drug lords of the community are going to kill you. That's what they would tell us. And, and it was because, though, that we were with the pastor from the church, and it was because of the long-term relationship we had with him that caused us to have the confidence to say, we're going to be okay. Now, I know that sounds stupid and crazy, but, but like we, every day we would go in, and we would go in with this pastor, and, and every day we would go in, we would be, there would be a group of teenage boys that were all a part of the drug cartel that lived in this community that were waiting for us at the church. The first couple days, that was uncomfortable, right? Like you can imagine. But because um, it wasn't just them standing at the church. They, they you know, they had, they had weapons. They had things like that to protect themselves. But they would be there and they would ask us the question, hey, can we go talk about God again? We have a lot of questions that we need answers to. And if it wasn't for the long-term relationship we had with the pastor, that would have never happened. You see, these kids, these teenagers that were asking these questions, they weren't looking for short-term heroes. They were looking for long-term relationships with people. And over time, we developed those relationships and we grew closer to these guys to the point where literally we were able to spend time on a daily basis meeting with them, talking with them, answering questions about God, not because we were what it was all about, because it's not about us, but it was because of this relationship that we had that God opened up doors to share and to encourage. One of the days when we were there, um, the guys weren't there. Instead, there was a bunch of teenage girls holding babies. And it just happened that they were the moms of many of the people that were part of this drug cartel. And they were there and they said, hey, we've heard about some of the things that you're doing with our boyfriends. And we all have children and we wanted to know if we can talk to you a little bit about some of the questions that they have. And we also wanted to know if you would baptize our babies. And we were able to sit down with them and we're able to share with them what it means to follow Jesus and what it means to raise a kid in a home that points people to Jesus. Again, what they were looking for was not short-term heroes. They were looking for long-term relationships. And it was kind of comical because not only did we have a chance to share with them and baptize their babies, but then we started walking, as we were walking around the community, we had all these moms coming up to us with their babies saying, hey, I heard you doing baptisms. Would you baptize my baby too? And it was like all these, like, I call them drive-by baptisms because, like, these people would just show up and we would talk to them, you know, share with them, and then we would baptize their babies. And then the whole purpose, though, wasn't, okay, hey, we'll stay connected with you even though we're thousands of miles apart. No, it was like, hey, and by the way, you know, you've met the pastor, you know the pastor. We would connect them back to the local church in the community where they were, and this long-term relationship was forged. It was a really, really wonderful thing. So the second value is long-term partners are way more effective than short-term heroes. The third value that we have going into any trip we do, whether it's locally, domestically, globally, and this is very, very important, is that our job is to plant, to water, and to repeat. Plant, water, and repeat. One of my favorite verses in the Bible comes from 1 Corinthians 3, verses 5 and 6, and it says this, What after all is Apollos, and what is Paul? Only servants through whom you came to believe as the Lord has assigned to each his task. I planted the seed, Apollos watered it, but God made it what? Grow. Hillchrist, in this verse, Paul says, hey, listen, my job is to plant. My buddy Paulus' job, his is to water, and, and it's God's job to make the seed grow. When we go and we serve, our posture that we need to have, again, no matter where it might be, is to plant, to water, and repeat. Plant, water, and repeat. I did not say grow because we are not in charge of the growth. 
Like God is the one that helps people to grow. God is the only one that can help people grow. Our job is to be faithful to him in being faithful in planting and watering. And so a successful day in Alaska, a successful day in Nicaragua, a successful day here is to just be faithful in planting and watering and being faithful to God and representing him. And oftentimes that's through the fruits of the Spirit coming through us, right? It's through the humility that we represent. It's through the example that we get to set that doesn't draw people back to ourselves because it isn't about us, but it's to point people to who? To Jesus, right? The fourth value that we have as we think about serving in different capacities is that how we live globally should affect the way we live locally, and how we live locally should affect the way that we live globally. See, why not focus on these values, not just when we get on an airplane to go to Alaska or Nicaragua, but we focus on these areas and the way we just live our lives. And so if we have a heart for people that live in a community in Nicaragua, that same heart should be for the people that live right here in our community around us here in Kansas City. You see, when we go on a missions trip and we advocate for marginal people, but we fight against them and we ignore them in our own Johnson County neighborhoods, I think that's fake. And I think it's something that we need to repent of. I say that with a sincere heart. That if our only heart for people is when we go to them instead of looking for and caring for the people that live in our own community and partnering with them in long-term relationships and treating them like they're made in the image of God, which we all are, oftentimes I think we miss the point. And we need to be reminded that how we live globally should affect the way we live locally. How we live locally should affect the way we serve and live globally. And last but not least, the fourth, fifth value that we have as we think about serving in, in what we do and the why behind what we do is this, is that you don't have to be called because you're already commissioned. I think one of the things that trips people up and the things that confuses people and the thing that I think stops a lot of people from serving, whether it's locally, domestically, or globally, is a lot of times, and I hear this all the time, is like, man, I just don't know if that's my gift. I don't know if I'm really called to do that. And the reality is that you're right. You aren't called to do it because you've already been commissioned. Let me tell you why, and let me show you where. In Matthew chapter 28, verses 18 through 20, it says this, and Jesus came, again, these are his words, not mine. Then Jesus came to them and he said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you, and surely I'm with you always to the end of the age. Um, Jesus here doesn't say, hey, so all authority's been given to me, so all of you that have the gifting of serving others, like, hey, cool, go for it, you can do it. No, it says all of us. Period. So when you and I say, sign up and say yes to following Jesus, we are also say, signing up and saying yes to following him wherever he might take us, wherever he might call us to go, which is because we've already been commissioned to go do it. So as you hear these stories this morning and as you think about it, I don't want you to just sit here and say, wow, those are really cool. Like, God bless those people. Like, that's really awesome what they did. What a sacrifice. I want you to actually also internalize it for your own self and think, okay, so where has God planted me? Where has God called me? Because he's planted us all somewhere. It just happened that some of us got planted in Alaska and some of us got planted in Nicaragua, but the reality is is that right now he's planted us all where? Right here. And this is where God has called us to live out our faith because it's not about us, it's about him. So I want to call Jason forward right now and our team of people that are going to share. Can we welcome them as they come forward? 
Well, Nate uh, set up shop for us, which is a super, uh, a super important because one of the values that you heard is that uh, God doesn't just show up when, when we when we show up, um, and th- that is very true because we had the heart and the desire to simply uh, just partner with what's already happening in the communities and what's already happening in the cities in which um, those ministries are already present. And we wanted to join in. Um, and so this morning you're going to hear from uh, some of our, our, our folks. You may recognize some of them and some of them you may not. Um, and so we will use their names so you will know now who they are. Um, but one of the things we're going to do is uh, they have questions they've, they've been prepared with uh, to answer. And uh, I would encourage you, if there is something that you hear that you're like, huh, I want to know more about that. Please talk to them. Ask them questions. You're going to see pictures on the screen. Uh, this is probably like one, one of one thousandth of the pictures that we took. Um, and, you know, there's so many stories behind the pictures that you see. And so many more stories behind the stories that you're going to hear in just a second. So we're going to get started. We're going to kick it over to Kerwin. And then I'm going to go over to, to Tamara uh, with this first question. Um, how do you think the team in Nicaragua, because Kerwin, you went to Nicaragua. Uh, how did you see our team partner with what God is already doing in, Nic- in Rivas, in Nicaragua, with Bethel? Well, um it was good because we got some training before we went, and that training was some of the stuff that Nate shared this morning about it's not about us, and it's certainly about them. And so I think we went in the mindset of we don't have to accomplish a whole bunch of things. We're going to do whatever Anna and Susan, the team, wants. And, you know, our American mindset often says we got to get all these things done. we got to check the box, and it was not about checking the box. And some of my favorite parts of it were seeing uh, – just being with the kids. Uh, our high schoolers were playing uh, in a field and just hanging out, or the kids were playing chase, you know, chase with the kids or doing whatever it was, just being with them, loving on them. And uh, I think that's when you really see God's... We got a chance to be God's hands and feet there, which was really special. Love it. Tamara, I'm going to kick it over to you. So same, similar question. How did you see our team partner with what God is already doing uh, in Rivas? press power. Okay. Um, I think a big piece of the whole puzzle was, was Anna and SIO and Heather and that they really have built something magical down there. They've got something that's really special and they've really invested into the community, invested into the children and being able to come alongside them and see their home and be a part of what they're doing and letting our family, my family, I took all four kids, um, letting them see how another part of the world lives and experiences it and the joy that they all have is, is really remarkable. Yeah, I love it. I'm gonna, uh, let's go over to Ty and then also to, to Kim uh, after, after Ty shares. Ty, how did you see, so you went to Alaska. We're going to go to, we'll share a little bit more later of what you also did this summer. But in Alaska, how did you see God, um, our team, part of what God is already doing there in, in Alaska? Well, I think we're just used to what we have here, like in Kansas City, and I think we think other places, like because they don't, it's not like the same here. Yeah. I think we think that like maybe it's not like as good as we got it here. But I think the people there, like they're happy with what they have, and even though it's different than us, it doesn't mean that's like not like good for them. I think that's like a way for them, and like a way God's moving in their lives, like just making them, like, 
happy with what they got, I guess. Yeah, that's great. Love it. Um, Kim, let me go to you. Um, so you went to Alaska. You had a lovely time right after Kid Jam, which is kind of crazy, right? Because we had that incredible local time of serving the children and families that were here. Um, well, how did you see our team partner with each other to partner with what God was doing in Alaska? So Bible Camp in Alaska has been going on since the 60s, right? I'm looking at Nate for like, yes. And it's, it's a big thing for them up there because the kids that come to that camp, they don't live on the road system. They have to fly these, these kids get on a plane to come to camp. That's how they go to camp. And I think there's a picture too where they, we get them to camp in the back of a pickup truck. That's how they get there. And they're so excited, but it's, it's their big week. It's their time where it's the safest place that they could be because it might not be safe back in their communities. And so we just, we plug into what's going on. We don't change anything. Um, but the people who've been at that camp from the area, they've been there for several weeks. And so it's just fresh legs and just jumping into what they're already doing yeah. and being a part of it. It was awesome. Love it. I'm going to go to Jay and then to Mia. So Jay, question for you. Uh, what was one particular moment or situation that you really sensed God's presence in Nicaragua? For me, when we went to the dump, no one there was sad. Despite the situation, they were all super happy. That basically applied to everyone there. I can't pick out a single time I saw one person that despite the situation was pouting over it. They were all, it might have been poor financially, but they were rich spiritually. Ooh, how to preach. I like it. Mia, what about you? So the question uh, that I shared was, uh, what was one particular moment or situation that you really sensed God's presence? So when I, I really sensed God's presence through his trust. So, cause I had to put all my trust in him because for the camp in Alaska, we were like in the middle of the forest, no cell service, no like really electricity unless it was from the generator. And we just like had to keep these campers alive and safe while having fun. Which is good. You got to keep them safe. Exactly. And bring them back at least. Yes. Right. And everyone was all okay. So I just had to trust him that we would get through it while having fun and learning about him. Love it. So I'm going to go to Miss Judy and then to your lovely husband, uh, Mr. Doug, over here. Miss Judy, you got to go to Nicaragua uh, with your lovely husband, Doug. How was it, by the way, going with him? Was it all right? He's been my traveling companion for 58 years, so it wow. was fine. It was yeah. fine. Well, you kind, of, you kind of beat us to the punch a little bit because we had to celebrate you guys. And why did we get to celebrate you while we were in yeah. Nicaragua? Well, the first Monday we were there was our 58th wedding anniversary. That's pretty so. remarkable, actually. It's almost was. six yeah. decades. Especially now yeah, to live with him that long. Yeah, you're not That's kidding. <laughs> right. Wow. Right. So uh, have you been on a trip like this before? Yes, but okay. not with Doug. Now with Doug, okay. Yes, I went to Ecuador okay. to work in the library at the Covenant College. <clears throat> so uh, how, how did you experience God's presence? Because um, Doug has a really cool story as well, but I know you have a really cool story of how well, you experienced God's presence. Well, I was very nervous about helping to teach English and with Lisette, and so I knew I was going to need a lot of help and support from him in prayer. So it worked out well because uh, she knew a little Spanish, and... Um, also, Carolina was with us, so we had a great time teaching the youngsters some conversational English, and they came in excited and apprehensive, just as we were, but it was a good time. Love it. I'm going to go to Tamara and then to Doug. So, Tamara, uh, was there any point on the trip that you felt uncomfortable? And if you did, how did you, like, lean into that? 
You know, um, four kids, three teenage boys and a 10-year-old girl um, were very uncomfortable often. And the biggest thing that, that has been consistent in our home is highs and lows was the flies. They were... A lot of flies. A lot of flies. A biblical proportion. It was... They were everywhere. They were all the time. And it's been one of those things where, you know, we have a fly in the house and everybody's chasing it with a towel, right? And it's got to get out. It's one. This was everywhere. And it's kind of been... It's definitely got the most airtime in our houses talking about the flies, but it also brings back the trip. Every time there's a fly anywhere, oh my gosh, it's only one. It's only one. And the gratitude for that has been really amazing and such a simple little thing, but I see that it gives us opportunity to keep talking about what our experience was. And I think even through it, getting through it, having flies in your face or on your food and not complaining was was really pretty huge. Yeah, I love it. Mr. Doug, uh, was there any point on the trip in Nicaragua that you felt uncomfortable? And if so, how did you lean into that discomfort? By the way, that's the first time I've ever been called her lovely husband. Wow. Yes, thanks. I appreciate well, you that. are lovely. Yeah, I, did. I yeah. am lovely. Uh, <laughs> yes, um, every day, uh, one of the groups would go to the dump at lunch and take food and drinks to the dump and see what they were doing out there. And as Jay said, there was no sadness out there. Everybody was just doing their job. But I just felt so out of my realm. You know, I live in Leewood, Kansas, and we have everything we want here, and a lot of stuff we don't even need we have, and they're working the dump. And they would bring the dump trucks in, dump the trash out, and then they would take two or three of them and be there with a rake, and they would rake through the material to try to find metals or food or clothing, whatever they could get. And I'm there from Leewood, Kansas, so they asked me to pray. And I was completely lost. I did know, not know how to pray. So do you pray, thanks for this wonderful dump? I just did not know what to say. And I, the scriptures say that the Spirit will say the words. And so the Spirit offered up my prayer. I'm not even sure what I said. Of course, I said in English, and they were in Spanish, so they didn't know what I was saying anyway. But I really felt like I was totally at loss, and, and, and the Lord took charge of that me at that point because I was way out of my realm. And I think you'd ask me another question. Uh, every day, the kids would come at 3 o'clock, and we would do uh, vacation Bible school with them and play with them, and then we, they'd do skits, and then they, we would feed them. And they brought their own plates, and they would kind of line up. We had this huge bowl of rice and another big bowl of pasta or something, and they would line up. And some of them were just like, okay, here I am. But many of them, were, you could tell it was the only meal they got all day long. And I remember one little brown-eyed kid walked up there, and I really felt like I was looking into the eyes of Jesus, that this kid needed this food so badly, and I was glad I could be there to give it to him. Yeah. Thanks for sharing that, Doug. I'm gonna, uh, we're going to pass it over to Kim and then back to Kerwin. So one of the, one of the special uh, times that for me as a father was my 7-year-old went on this trip, uh, and it was an honor and privilege to serve alongside him. I didn't grow up in the church, so that opportunity uh, was paramount, um, not only for him, but for m me as well as a father. Um, and it was, it was remarkable to see uh, these individuals who went to Nicaragua uh, really were like brothers and sisters, especially like Henry, Thomas, and, and Bobby. Um, they were like older brothers, you know, to my son. And then, um, and then we had honorary cousins and grandparents and, and aunts and uncles that were uh, there serving alongside um, my own son, who's seven. And uh, I have this picture of Doug and a few other adults on our team who were painting and 
Lawson, my seven-year-old, was, was right next to Doug painting. Uh, and it was just a really cool moment to say, hey, that's why we are doing this as an intergenerational um, trip and team so that we can serve alongside each other, regardless if you're 79, almost 80, or if you're seven, or somewhere in between. It was pretty, really, pretty remarkable. Um, so, uh, Kim, uh, what, was, so what was the most uncomfortable part? Uh, was it the lack of showers or the plethora of showers? Was it the mosquitoes in Alaska or all of the above? What was the most uncomfortable part, and how did you lean into that discomfort? Well, you can go a week without a shower. You can do it. Um, I don't think I've ever done that before. But I'm used to working with kids. That's where I'm comfortable. That's where I feel just, I don't know, safe. And when I went to Alaska, I went to go work in the kitchen. And if you, you, you don't know me, but the funny thing is, I have a sign in my kitchen that says, I can cook, I just don't. And so that was <laughs> completely out of my comfort zone because it's one thing to cook for six people. It's another thing to cook for 120, I think, is what we had at that camp. And to be in that environment, it was just, it was hard. It was hard for me because it wasn't something that I could just do. And the beauty of serving in the uncomfortable is then you're no longer relying on yourself. You, I would literally get up that day, okay, God, I'm tired because they were long days, and I don't know what I'm doing in this kitchen. I can wash dishes, but I don't know what I'm doing, and you're just going to have to show up for me, and you're just going to have to help me, and he did, and he will do that. When we, when we step out and do the things that we're not comfortable doing, he's going to meet us where we need him. Yeah, amen to that. So, Kerwin, uh, we're going to go to you, and then we're going to go to um, Mia, and then we're going to close up shop here. So, Kerwin, um, so you went to Nicaragua. It was awesome. And you got to experience God's presence in a, in a, in a variety of ways, but you also um, got to lean into this discomfort of being in maybe a, a city in a country you'd never been to before. How did you specifically lean into that? Just the uncomfortableness or... Yeah. Um, yeah, I, uh, there was a lot to be uncomfortable about. And so I think, um, I think praying about it, one, and I think doing it together. Yeah. Um, we were there as a team. We were there together. And uh, you could just, there's a lot of sharing. Like, I was scared about going to the dump, the smells and the flies and all that. Just so different from where we live every day. And a couple of people that I went with that day, we just started talking about it. And that we're scared and that this, we're uncomfortable. And I think that was really, the group was really open, honest, sharing. And I think that really helped kind of do it together. So uh, I'm going to go to Mia and then to Jay. So Mia, you, um, why did you, so you went to Alaska, yes. um, but you are already serving locally here. You served in a variety of capacities at both at school, and then you were also uh, a counselor at Kid Jam as well, right? Yes. So um, if you had to give one piece of advice to people who are here in the room or online listening, what would be your one piece of advice or like a little golden nugget uh, as to like why they should serve locally, domestically, or globally? So... Basically, you, I had, like, some people go in with a mindset or that you're not supposed to go in, but, like, you're going in thinking that you're just going to give them all and teach them everything, but really, it's, like, a fair trade. Like, they teach you so much, like, equally as you're teaching them. Yeah. And, like, it's just, like, a really fun learning experience where you can grow way closer to God. So you can grow closer to God if you just say yes. Yeah. If you just do it Mm -hmm. and go for it. Yes. Yeah. Love it. So, Jay, 
Uh, what about you? What's one piece of advice you would give to people here to say, hey, you know what? This is why you should lo- serve locally. This is why you should serve globally or regionally. Well, maybe it's just that we don't got it all figured out here. <laughs> we may think we do, but we don't. Um, I think we can learn from other people of different cultures what we are missing, and maybe they can learn a bit from us, and kind of what Mia said, pretty much. Awesome. I'm going to go to Ty, then we're going to go to Judy and close up shop with Mr. Doug, uh, maybe Tamara too. But uh, Ty, so Ty, you, you had a lot of opportunities to serve this summer. You said yes to a lot of things. You went to Clearwater Cove to be a, a camp counselor for some middle schoolers uh, with Young Life. You served as a kid jam counselor. You went to Alaska. You also went to Nicaragua. And then you did some behind the scenes things that people don't know about here at Hillcrest. Um, so why did you say yes to all those things? And then two, future pastor, um, why would you tell us, give Give us your little pitch as why they should serve. Well, or we should serve, not they, but all of us. Nah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I think just stepping out of your comfort zone and just like helping others, it helps you a lot. And it just like it's just something that I really enjoy doing. So that's kind of why I do it. And it's just good to experience like new things that you haven't done before. And yeah, it's just a great experience. What was the one thing that stands out to you that you're like, oh, that one thing was like, that was really cool. I didn't expect that thing. The one thing I didn't expect? Yeah. Um, probably just building community with others. Sweet. I, that was really good. Okay, Miss Judy, you're going to bring us home with Doug. Okay. Uh, would you go back to Nicaragua? Yes. And if you were to tell someone who's on the fence of whether or not they would serve locally or globally... Uh, what would you say to them? Well, it's much easier to serve locally, of course, to get yeah. in your car and drive across town. But it's much more fun to travel, what, 20 hours or whatever it was to take us to get there. But I think to immerse yourself in a different culture um, and to be there with the people, not as a tourist especially. You were there more as a helper and to come alongside those people. And even our interactions with the locals in the coffee shop. We found a coffee shop that was just really delightful and the little grocery store across the street with the local people just to be with them and to see how they live. Um, I think what amazed me was the transportation methods there oh, yeah. because uh, I think there were more horse-drawn or mule-drawn, oxen-drawn buggies than there were cars. So, you know, we just... It's not Johnson County, and I think you need to get there. Love it. Doug, what would you add to that? I was just looking around, seeing a lot of gray hair in the room. Uh, I'll be 80 in a month. Hey, happy early birthday. uh, Thank you. And uh, it's really easy for people my age to be kind of locked in with people your age. And so one of the reasons I went was the youngest person was your son, Lawson. He was seven. And I wanted to make sure that I spent time with everybody that was there. There were 29 of us. And so I locked in on everyone that was there and spent significant time with them. And otherwise, they would just see me at church and say, well, that old man, I have nothing to talk to him about. But I love talking with the teenagers and the younger people and building a relationship with them. We need to do that. We're blocked in. We're divided in our country and our world. We have old people and young people. They don't talk to each other. 
we need to talk to each other. You know, one of the great ways you can you can talk to each other locally is being a middle school uh, small group leader. Yeah, you said that in the first service. I did. I'm I think yeah, I think you should pray about that. <laughs> I think I think Doug's already praying about it. Anyway, but um, there there are a lot more stories to share. I promise you. You should pick their brains, chit chat with them, take them out to coffee, um, go have lunch, breakfast, dinner, whatever. Um, there's some really remarkable things that happen where God moved, not because we showed up, because God was already there. Um, and so, um, if you would, give them a round of applause as they exit off stage. Thank you, guys. I'll hold that. I'm going to invite up uh, Jess. Uh, Jess is going to come share and uh, bring us home. Give it up for Jessica Vick, everybody. I hope you guys noticed some themes in the stories. Discomfort, spending time with people unlike yourself, making a sacrifice to go somewhere. You can do that here. A couple months ago, I went to Adelante Thrift to serve. It's a place that you can, you can serve. How many people have served with Mission Adelante in the past, whether it's their fun run or kids, kids camp or helping immigrants and refugees learn languages? That's awesome. It's about 15 minutes away here. We went and hung up clothes uh, in their thrift store, which provides um, funds for their services there. And um, you can do that next Saturday. There'll be a sign-up coming out uh, in the Wednesday email. You can do that a couple hours come grab some tacos afterwards. Went and hung up clothes with some folks from Hillcrest at Adelante Thrift, and we're surrounded by people unlike ourselves. Bhutanese refugees, Hispanic folks. And I remember going from Adelante Thrift in KCK to Nordstrom Rack in Johnson County because I had to pick something up. And I was like, whoo, cultural whiplash. It was an entirely different culture. And so you don't have to go far to experience a lot of the things these folks experience. So I want to challenge you, whether it's with um, Adelante Thrift with their kids or helping to tutor on a weekly basis. There's monthly and weekly opportunities. Uh, like I mentioned, next Saturday is the time you can serve. We also have a great partner with Freedom Fire. How many of you guys have volunteered with Freedom Fire or know about Freedom Fire? Pastor Jim hangs out with homeless folks once a month and spends some time befriending them and hearing their stories. These are partners we've had over 20 years with. So like the folks we're sharing this morning, we show up to serve with them, with the work that they've been doing for a long time in this community. Freedom Fire serves in the urban core, and we're going to have an urban uh, immersion experience in September where we get to go meet some friends without homes. We get to learn about their tutoring programs, food distribution, and other ways that we can make a difference here in our city. You know, we don't, we don't do these things. We don't do these things because we're nice people. There's a lot of nice people in Johnson County, I will tell you that. And in Wyandotte County as well, in Jackson County. So... We do it because God became man and moved into the neighborhood. He left the place that was comfortable. He left the place that was convenient to spend time with us, to love us, to fill our hearts with love so that we would go love our neighbors. Jesus' words in Matthew 5 say, You are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. I want to invite you to pray and then act this fall. Maybe commit to serving once with one of these ministries or somewhere that's close to your heart. 
I want you to stand up. We're going to get going soon. And I just want to pray for you as you think about how to glorify God and serve your neighbor for his good. Maybe the next for you is to grab one of the block party invites and to invite a, a neighbor or a teammate or a colleague and say, I'm going to spend time with somebody that maybe doesn't know Jesus. That could be a good next step for you. God, we thank you today that you call us to love like you love, that we grow when we step outside of our comfort zones because we learn to depend on you in a new and different way. We pray, Holy Spirit, that you'd fill us with your love and your courage as we go out this week. Would you open our eyes and our hearts to know you deeper and to love the world that you came to die for? Amen. Go in peace today. Amen.